Hello everyone, it's Chris here from the In The Saddle podcast and for this episode I was joined by jockey Lucy Barry. Now Lucy's had some challenges along the way during her career, she's had some issues with her mental health and it was great to talk to her about it, she was very open and honest so I'd like to thank her for that. But we were able also as well to speak about her journey to the grand final of the Furlong Factor where she demonstrated her hidden talents for singing and we spoke about her work as well with the Melbourne 10 Racing Club where she is the National Hunt Racing Manager. Now whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify, please make sure you give us a follow and if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a rating and a review. We really appreciate all the feedback you give us. But I'll now hand you over to myself and Lucy and I hope you enjoy this podcast. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by jockey Lucy Barry. Thanks for coming on, Lucy. Hi, thanks, no problem. So how did you first get into racing and where does your love of horses come from? Um, I first got into racing was, I used to love going racing when I was younger. Um, for my birthdays, I'd always go uh, racing to Bath which or Newbury, which was two of my local tracks. And um, I ended up doing, I had ponies as a kid and I ended up doing work experience um, in a racing yard in Highworth for John Manners, who is um, now passed away. Um, So when I left school, I went to the racing school. Um, I then left the racing school and went to work for John Hill's um and i actually didn't i I think it was a little bit too far away from home um even though it wasn't that far but i couldn't drive or anything like that so i went back to work for john um in highworth uh, which was quite close to home and sort of that's how it all started really so did you have second thoughts about becoming a jockey or is it something that you'd always wanted to do from a young age yeah, no, absolutely. I think I wanted to be in the army when I was about six. Hmm. Um, and then when I got to about eight, I've, I've, I've always wanted to be a jockey, really. I'm quite lucky that I've had that uh, mindset because I would have hated to have left school and not known what I wanted to do, but I've always known what I've wanted. So when you finally did get your apprenticeship, how long did it take before you got your first ride? And was it on the flat that you started out? No, so I first rode when I was 16 Mm -hmm. um, and I had my amateur license and I rode in point to points. So from 16 until I was 19, I rode in point to points as an amateur um, and quite successfully as well. I won two South Midlands um, Lady Rider Championships and I won the Novice Rider Championship. Um, international uh, national championship um, and so I started off jumping it wasn't until I hit 19 and I become very light that I then decided you know at that time it was quite hard for girls over jumps 
and there was very few um, girls that rode over jumps. Um, so I took the path then on the flat to try and make a perf- like a professional career out of it. And um, were you ever put off? Maybe obviously you now ride over jumps still, but um, were you ever put off by by the injuries that you can get that are more associated with jump racing? And maybe you thought, you know what, I'll I'll give it a go on the flat. Um, no, I, I don't think I was put off at the time. I definitely wasn't put off by the injuries. And I now, if I'd if I if I thought that, I certainly wouldn't be riding. I've always said to myself, as as soon as I start thinking like that way that's when you know it's time to give up um because you can't really have that going through your mind when you're when you're race riding yeah no definitely definitely you i suppose you have to have that mindset so um was it around about the 2010 2011 period that you started to really get going and you were riding quite a few winners as an apprentice yeah so i think it was uh for me it was an advantage that I rode in point to points at the start and then went on the flat because I gained a lot of experience. And I, I think it was 2011, 2012, that it really took off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I then, I then really struggled with my weight um, and, and mental health, really. Um, my weight took a big toll on my mental health. Um, I saw numerous counsellors uh, try and maintain my weight to, and you know, it's the weights are ri- ridiculously light, mm. um, and you do. You, I did struggle, so um, I decided I was sort of going around in circles with it, um, and for myself, I decided to then go travelling. Mm-hmm. Um, just to take myself away from the whole situation. Um, I also, I went off to Australia and worked for a year, still involved in horse racing. Um, but yeah, it, on the flat, it was it was a good sort of two years. I came back from Australia and thought that you know I could come back on the flat and and it would take off again but it never just quite happened like that and I still struggled with my weight a little bit on the flat then so I don't think I'm a natural lightweight to be honest. So just going back to your mental health there how difficult was it when you were dealing with those weight issues because it's an important part of being a jockey isn't it to have a minimum weight and if you're struggling with that it's probably going to affect your mental health because it's the only thing you've wanted to do you've always wanted to become a jockey how tough was that and did you struggle with that battle? Yeah, I found it really tough, and I think that's why it took such a big toll on my on on my mental health, and I got really down and depressed about it, um, because it's something that I've worked for for such a long time, um, and at that point, it just wasn't happening, and I kind of knew it wasn't happening. Like I was trying to stay. Um, sort of around about eight, seven, and I'd wake up nine stone every morning. Um, And then doing stupid things like taking off five to seven pound in one to two days. Um, And then you stand on the scales the day after you've ridden and you just want to cry because you're back up to nine stone again. It's it's just a, 
a, a relentless battle with the scales and it's it's not you know for for someone just um trying to lose weight and not achieving a goal with losing weight and you have to be that way you do, do you know what i mean it's not um it's something you have to do it's not something you want to do no i completely understand that and something as well that probably a lot of people outside of the sport that aren't involved in it day to day probably wouldn't realize that someone like is nine stone you think that that's quite a light average kind of weight but then if you, you said you need to be you need to lose those few extra pounds to get those rides you probably to a lot of people it's quite hard to forget their head around that that way of thinking but it must have been really tough for you so when you went away and you had that break did you really think when you were out for example in Australia you, you did you miss the riding did you still think that I want to be involved within racing and still want to have a career as a jockey it's crazy I never I never said no to myself like for the first six months after I gave up um I didn't want to go racing. I didn't want want to watch racing. It was still quite raw. Um, and I did go and watch racing a little bit in Australia. Um, but there was, I never thought that I wouldn't go back. Mm-hmm. Like when I retired, when I gave up, they said in the race and post that I retired. And um, <laughs> I made a comment that I hadn't retired. I'm just taking a break mm. and, I, and then I, I just went with the flow to see what happened or what my weight did and it it did balloon and then it came back down to a pretty stable weight so I never said never um, and then when I came back and did ride on the flat I just struggled again so then I was a bit like well I don't want to give up race riding and I want to do it and I want to enjoy it so that is why I decided to go back over jumps no, it's, it looked like it's been a great move for you coming back. and, and that. So so when exactly did you come back? And did you uh, strike up a relationship with the Melbourne 10 quite quickly when you came up? How did that all kind of work out? So at the time, I was apprenticed to Jamie Osborne um, and the Melbourne 10, who have most of their horses with Jamie, um, sponsored me when I was riding on the flat. Um and they are just the nicest bunch of guys. I uh, rode them a couple of winners on the flat. Um, and then when I decided to go over jumps, I obviously left Jamie's because he's not got any jumpers. He's He's got all flat horses. So I left Jamie's and uh, Melbourne 10 decided to keep supporting me. Supporting me. So they, they kept sponsoring me. And then one one thing I did want to get into was the bloodstock side of things. Um, I love studying pedigrees and um, I love going and seeing horses at the sales, um, just looking at their confirmation. And it's something that I wanted to pursue and they very kindly gave me 30,000 to go and purchase Ooh. a jumper for them. Yeah. So this was like my first ever purchase. Um, so I went to about three different sales before I 
purchased Hawthorne Cottage, mm -hmm. who then went on and won um, the Mayor's Bumper at the Cheltenham Mayor's Day mm -hmm. in April. Um, so it was a, that was a very good bumper. Um, we were pleased with her. I was a bit worried, concerned when we first bought us. We had her with Amy Murphy and I went to um, sit on her. And I held my head in my hands at the top of the gallop and thought that I bought them a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it turns out she she wouldn't even she wouldn't even keep up with the slowest flat horse they've got. Um, she was terribly slow at the gallop, but she seems to come alive when she's at the race course. Um, so yeah, that was a that was then the incentive to give me some more money to buy them their next jumper, and it's kind of just gone on from there. No, I remember actually Hawthorne Cottage. I was actually you probably you will never have remembered me, but um, I remember when you were rode her on um, her debut at Plumpton. Um, I was actually uh, with uh, at the races at the time, uh, shadowing Haley Moore because I was on the university work placement, and I remember oh, we, right. I remember we came and interviewed you before the race. Um, I remember that. Yeah, no, I, I do because I think she was favourite. I think for the bumper, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but she's, um, she's she's so lazy at home that she does take one or two runs to sort of get going. Um, so we do forgive her for our first two or three runs that she has every year. Now, she seems like she's a really genuine horse once she gets going. Um, but how did that develop with Amy? Um, Amy's had a great start to her training career in the last couple of years, had obviously Kalashnikov, high-profile horse for her, and she's had a couple of other nice horses come through her ranks. How, how did you uh, get your jumpers with her? What was the arrangement, and how did that work out? So... Basically, I've been friends, um, really, really close friends with Amy since she was 15 and I was 16. Um, and I, when I said to her that I was going over to Australia, about two weeks later, she rang me and said that she's going to come as well. So I actually... I've uh, because I've been so close to her, I've watched her progress throughout of her her career and the h sheer hard work and dedication she's put in, um, and everywhere she's been, um, she's so valued by the people she has worked for, um, and I've seen her work so hard first handed she would have been the first person that I would have sent a horse to um, and I know she's a new market and they say that, that jumpers can't really be tra trained in new market um, but I had no doubt that she would have done the best job um, and I'm quite fussy when it comes to trainers um, so I know how she works. I know how Amy works, and she was definitely the person that I I wanted to train the horses. And um, the Melbourne Ten uh, just followed my judgment, really. 
No, that, that, that's great. Sounds like it was a, a no-brainer for you then uh, to take your horses to uh, to Amy. And, she, and like we already said, she's she pays really close attention to her horses and she's done very well since she started a few years ago now. But uh, but what, what are you kind of up to these days? Do you still, um, are you still always looking for the next horse for the Melbourne turn? Uh, do, do you still... Um, work and want to get maybe more involved with bloodstock what 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 are you up to these days so i'm i am doing a bit of a mixture i obviously um only really ride the melbourne 10 horses over jumps um i do a little bit of work for matt coleman um who is bloodstock agent based in newmarket i help him a lot more with the jump horses, uh, you know, the store sales, the three-year-old unbroken jump horses. Um, and my dog. That's all right. <laughs> and um, then um, Ian, one of the guys from the Melbourne 10, um, brought a 68 equestrian property in Kimbury. Um and I actually live here and manage that for him. And and now I'm still buying the Melbourne Ten their jumpers and I manage them. So I'll keep a close eye on all of our jumpers. And so I do a little bit of, of everything at the minute, really. But I'm enjoying it. Really enjoying it. No, that's really good to hear. Um, but people listening to this podcast might also associate you with uh, the sensation that was the furlong factor. Um, you got to the final. Um, what made you decide to, to enter? And did did lots of people know you had a talent for singing? So a couple of people um, tagged me in it on on Facebook, and I thought, well, I'll try and do a video and see what it comes out like, and then I can decide whether I'm going to enter it or not. So anyway, I did, um, and yeah, it was great fun, uh, a bit nerve wracking. When they said that you have to do a video bio, I was like, oh God, what am I going to say? And then you wonder like what everybody else is going to do. And I, so yeah, the video bio was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to enter it now. Um, but yeah, no, I did it and, and it was good fun. Um, and it was something. It was. It was something I wanted to do to give back to racing welfare. You know, they've helped me out in the past. Um, I left. I left home at sixteen, and I found it quite difficult being away from home in Lambourne, um, and I didn't really know anyone. So, like, I used to go into the their office in Lambourne um, with Beanie when Beanie and and Sarah used to be there and I just used to go in and have a chat with them um so it, it you know it's nice to go and see it go in and see a friendly face when you're just far away from home so yeah it was something nice that I could do to give back to race and welfare as well and have you always had a talent for singing you sometimes singing when you're like mucking out the stables or <laughs> are, are people gonna no, want to hear I, you sing I think we um me and my friend did a um, karaoke tour of Australia, but that was about it. <laughs> uh, but you never, you never know. They might get start, 
you singing now after after the races stay on for a few jockeys come come and sing a song listen to them but uh, but no uh, you did really well and i enjoyed listening to you sing so um no well done on making the final but and it was for a great cause like you said as well a lot of it's been a lot more awareness for racing welfare especially uh due to that competition and hopefully like you said you went there and they helped you and if anyone needs their help whatever aspect of racing they're working in it'd be great if if they need help to go and get in contact with them but um that's all we've got time for in this podcast uh, lucy uh thanks for coming on and it was great chatting to you hey absolutely fine thank you so much for more podcasts please follow us on itunes soundcloud and spotify and if you want to follow us on social media you can follow us on twitter where our handle is at in the saddle pod and you can check us out on instagram where our name is in the saddle global